excitement, go ahead and get your Bibles and journey with me to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. John chapter 11 is where we're going to be at today. John chapter 11. Um, we're still in our series entitled Life, 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 Life. I hope and pray as we've been journeying through the life of Lazarus in John chapter 11 that it has been a blessing to you. I hope, again, that it's been a blessing to you and that you've really um, taken the time to just read the Word of God, but not just read it, but to study the Word of God and allow it to be able to impact your life, to impact your life. So I hope and pray um, you've been doing that. Journey with me to John chapter 11. I'm going to go ahead and share this. Go ahead and tag people in it so they can be blessed by the Word of God. John chapter 11, John chapter 11, John chapter 11, um, verses 36 through 39. John 11, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible, 36 through 39. And it reads as this. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved them? But some said, you're always going to have some that's going to say this. This man healed the blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with the stone rolled across its interest. Roll the stone away, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be horrible. I want to use for a subject this morning as we're in part five of our series, Life. I want to use this title, this doesn't make sense. All right. This doesn't make sense. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you. Father God, we praise you. We magnify you. We lift you up. You're great. You're awesome. And you're amazing. And Father, just as we declared earlier in the worship experience, we need you. And we need you right now, Father. We need you to empower us to be able to hear your word and to act on what your word says. God, I don't know where this word may be reaching or who it may be reaching, but Father, I pray that wherever they are, that they will hang their life on your word. I pray that we've already made up in our minds that whatever it is your word is calling us to do, that we're going to be ready to quickly and swiftly obey your instructions and do what you said. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. This doesn't make sense. Again, if you have been watching us on Sunday since the beginning of May, we've been in a series entitled Life, Life. And we've, we've come to the understanding and the reality that um, most of us would love it, would love it, would love it if life was always dealt the way that we wanted it to. If, we, if life could be amazing and peaches and, and cream and grapes and strawberries every day, if every day could be sunny, if we could be able to go through life and not experience any pain, 
not experience any heartache, not experience any frustrations or disappointments, that it will be all cool in the gang. But the reality of the matter is this life is not always like that. It's not. It's not. It's not. I know even for believers, I know you have some preacher that you've been watching at 3 o'clock in the morning that's been promising you prosperity and that you're not going to have life full of pain, that you're not going to have trouble in life, and that if you're not healed from your disease, it's because it's a lack of your faith. I know. I know you've heard them say that, but let me go ahead and call them out as a false prophet right now and encourage you to get into your word to realize that Jesus said in this life we're going to have some trouble in this life we are going to experience some pain in this life we're going to experience some disappointments in this life things are not going to always go our way in this life you can be as saved as you want to be be in church every Sunday every Wednesday Sunday school every conference every convention every zoom every prayer call you can be at all of those things but it will not exempt you from experiencing the pain of life. Ask Job. Job had everything. All was well. He had a good looking wife. He had family. He had kids. He had livestock. He had a 401k. He had a good insurance plan just in case he was to check out from here. But life came at him and took everything that he had. But because of his walk and relationship with God, Job said, naked I came from a mother's womb and naked. I'm going to depart, but the name of the Lord is still going to be praised. Job realized, he said, do we just accept good from God and not trouble? Job realized life is something else. Life can be unfair no matter how good you may have been, no matter how sinless you think you are. Life can be something else. And it can be overwhelming at times. Even now, you can be you can be okay at 10.34 a.m. And then the next thing you know, at 10.36, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. I mean, you can have something that can happen in your life and transpire in your life that can turn your world upside down in a matter of minutes. Life can be something else. What do you do uh, when you... Have a tight walk with God, a tight relationship with God, and, and God considers you a friend, and you consider God a friend, but he allows some things to jump off in your life that you really wasn't expecting. You know what? Some things we could better prepare for if we knew they were coming, but what do you do when God allows for the floodgates of trouble to open up and come your way and never even give you a text message to say, hey, here comes life. What do you do when you prayed about a thing and you've invited Jesus into your life and he delays his response? I think that John chapter 11 in the life of Lazarus is one of those stories that helps us to learn how to be able to navigate through life when life gets crazy. I mean, I love it. I love it. I love the reaction of Mary. I love the reaction of Martha. I love the reaction of those that are around him that's consoling him. I love the reaction of Jesus. I love the fact of I love seeing their humanity come through the text and how Jesus is not overwhelmed or threatened or intimidated by the way that they feel. One sister said, Jesus, if you had showed up when I called you mm -hmm. 
My brother, when that had that, I told you all, let me just give you a little bit more of context so that you can maybe appreciate the content. Here it is. Jesus was friends with Mary, with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. This was not just some, this was not just some people that he just every now and then dealt with. Whenever he was around the vicinity of Bethany, he made sure to stop by their home. These were people that he loved. These were people that he did life with. These were people that he counted as friends. These were individuals that when Jesus was in town, they made sure he had whatever it was that he needed. So they knew that as soon as we get word that our brother is sick, we don't have to tarry about what we're going to do. We don't have to have a meeting to figure out what we're going to do. We're going to tell our friend Jesus. Not only did Lazarus love Jesus, but the Bible says that Jesus loved Lazarus. Martha made the call. She sent the text message. She did, went to the inbox and said, hey, Jesus, you're the one you love. It's sick. We don't know exactly what was going on, but let me just paint the picture real quick. Imagine, imagine, imagine the anxiety of Mary and Martha waiting on Jesus to get there and, and waiting on Jesus to get there, but they're seeing the slow decline of their brother. They're with him. They didn't have the medicine of today like we have. They're probably running and putting hot towels on his head, trying to bring some type of comfort to him, waiting for Jesus to show up. They made the call. They said, Jesus, the one that you love is sick. Jesus gets the call, and he realizes what is about to happen, and the Bible says that he stays where he is for an additional two days. Remind you, Jesus is only about two miles away from their home. But he stayed where he was. An additional two days, he told them, he said, hey, 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 I need you to realize that this thing is not going to end in death, but this thing is going to be for my glory. The glory of God is going to be manifested through this situation. And time goes on, and now he gets word that Lazarus is now dead. Oh, man. Oh, man. Wait a minute, Pastor Soons. I was with you. You said that these were friends of Jesus. You said that they had a relationship, Pastor Soons. You said that they did the right thing by praying and connecting with him and inviting him into their situation. You mean to tell me, Pastor Soons, they prayed, they called on God, they called on Jesus, and he still allowed for this thing to happen this way? That's how life is. You can pray. You can run. You can shout, you can dance, but life is still going to hit you. What do you do? How, 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 how do you navigate a relationship with someone that has disappointed you? I know we don't want to say that. We think, oh, God, Pastor, you're being so, you're being so rough on Jesus. But if, if, if truth can be, if truth can be told, all of us have been at a place like that in our lives where we have not said it verbally with our mouths, but we've gotten to a place where we have got, that we have become disappointed in the Savior. And now, because he has not done what we expected him to do. Our, ex our expectation and our reality does not match at all. We prayed, we cried, we rolled in the floor, we read every scripture, we claimed every promise of God, but he still allowed for the worst to happen. Jesus gets there. Now this time, 
Mary runs out the house. Remind you, the first time, first time Jesus showed up, she stayed in the house. She didn't want to deal with it. She didn't want to fool with it. She, she hid. She retreated to a place that was safe to keep her secure from the pain. But now she comes again. Martha comes and tells her, hey, the teacher is here, and he wants to see you. And she runs out there to Jesus, and she echoes the same thing that Martha said. If only you had come when we called you. Brother, our brother would not have died. Let me put a pen right there and just take a pause for a moment. And let me encourage you, please, please, please. I know you're saved. I know you're sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. And that will fire with a testimony that will tear the root off, roof off. But let me encourage you real quick that it is okay for you. It is okay for you to be real with God and how you feel. It is okay for you. It is all right for you right. to share with God. God, I am frustrated. God, I am mad. God, I am angry because I don't understand how you are able to show up for everybody else but for me, you delayed yourself. For me, it's almost seem as if I've been praying. I've been praying just all over the place, and you have not heard me at all. Jesus, I don't think it's fair that you have allowed for my life to get to this point. But everybody else, those jokers that have not been faithful to you, have not been coming to church, don't pray, don't tithe, don't serve, don't do that. They're not even good humans, but you showed up for them. But here it is, me, your friend. The one you love. Or so you say, you have allowed for him to die. You have allowed for the worst to happen. How do you, how do you navigate a situation like that? Let me go ahead and get out the gate. Let me go ahead and make my way um, to make my way to my seat. Here's what I want you to get. This is gonna be on the screens in just a second. When life doesn't make sense, I need you to trust what he said first. I need you to hang your life off of what Jesus said the first time. When life gets crazy, I need you to hang on to the promises of God that he has already declared in his word. Well, Pastor, what did he say? Look at verse 4. This is why you have to be careful, Bible readers. Look at verse 4. Jesus said, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No. It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this when life gets crazy, when life does not make sense. You got to go back to what Jesus said the first time. You got to go back to claim the promises of God. You got to go back and hang your life on what he said. You got to go back to what he shared with you in your time of prayer and you wrote down in your journal. You got to go back to that verse that you highlighted in your Bible. You got to go back to what the man or woman of God spoke over your life. You got to go back to what Jesus has said to you. You have to hang your life off of what he said at yeah. first because that gives you, that empowers you yeah. to hold on and to hang in there until he does what he says he would do. Yeah. You tell your brother's sickness not going to end in death. I know it looks crazy. I know it looks bad. I know you're mad at me because I haven't showed up yet, but I need you to hang your life on what I'm saying. His sickness is not going to end in death. It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from it. That's what he's doing. He is, he is, he is applying pressure to your life so that he can be able to squeeze every bit of glory out of it. He's applying pressure to your relationships. He's applying pressure to your marriage. He's applying pressure to your family. He's applying pressure to your finances so that he can be able to squeeze every bit of glory out of it. But here it is. Here it is. We get to verses 36 
through 39. Let me read it to you again. It says, the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved, me, loved him? But somebody said, some said, this man healed the blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with the stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone away, Jesus said. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell is going to be terrible. Okay, let me go ahead and help, let me go ahead and help us out real quick. Here it is. To every supernatural move of God, there's an act of human responsibility. Let me say it again. To every supernatural move of God, there's an act of human responsibility. Those that are here at the well, you know that's a familiar term that's used all the time. Right. That to every supernatural move of God, there's an act of human responsibility. God will do his part, but we have a role to play. Right. God's going to be God and do the impossible, but there's something that we need to do. It's almost to the point that when someone invites you over to the house, I know this sounds so unbelievable because this hasn't been happening for a while now. When someone invites you over to your, invites you over to the house for dinner or invite you over for a cookout it's just real nice of you to bring something to add along with the meal it may be some flowers it may be a pop it may be a pie it may be see i mean it may not be nothing big it may be a bag of chips but it's just always good for you to bring something to the table they're going to provide the main course they're going to provide the bulk of the food but it's always kind of you to play your role and not just come with your tupperware bowls to get something to take home but to come to the table giving something. Jesus says, I have all power. I can do it all by myself, but I want to use you. I want to strengthen your faith. I want to work your faith. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. But every supernatural move of God, there's an act of human understanding. It's right here in the text right here. It says, it says, it says, it says the people who love there were standing nearby. And Jesus goes with Martha to the tomb. And he asks, he asks the question. Now, he doesn't even ask the question. He makes a demand. Roll the stone away. You guys got to understand. You guys have to understand that Jesus could have easily moved the stone on his own. Oh, man, he got all power in his hands. You heard what they said. He was able to heal the blind man. But so he could have easily moved the stone away. But he wanted to work in partnership. He, he wanted to work. He, he wanted to work in corporately. He, he wanted to work corporately along with Martha. He wanted to exercise their faith. He, he wanted to strengthen their faith. He wanted them to get involved in the miracle well. that was about to happen. But pastor... What he's asking her to do doesn't make sense. What Jesus is requesting of her, because commentaries say, theologians say, that she probably did not move the stone on her own. The stone would have been too heavy for her to do it by herself. There were probably some others or soldiers there to help move the stone away. But Jesus did it with her permission to, in order for the stone to be moved. Because when you look at the text, as soon as he said, roll the stone away, she got up. She said, wait a minute. Jesus, if you roll the stone away, you're asking me to hurt all over again. Let me let that sit for a moment. If I roll the stone away, Jesus, I'm going to have to mourn the loss of my brother again. 
If I roll the stone away, Jesus, I'm going to have to be angry with you again. I, me and my sister already said, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. We've already been on an emotional roller coaster with you. So if you ask me to move the stone, you're asking me to pull the scab off of what's already been healing mm -hmm. and to bleed all over again. All right. It was a test of faith. It was a move of faith that Martha had to make on her end by giving permission for the stone to be moved. Here it is. I, I need you to get this. This is good stuff for you to be able to act on in obedience to God. Your miracle is predicated on your obedience. Let me say it again because y'all right. didn't hear what I said. Your miracle is predicated on your obedience. Let me say it again one time, one more time for the Holy Ghost. Your miracle is predicated off of your obedience. God is looking to see if I give you an instruction that does not make sense at all, will you still do it? If I give you a task to fulfill something, will you still follow suit? Or here it is, does everything have to make sense for you in order to do it? <laughs> Here it is, here it is, here it is. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Pastor David Behringer. Sometimes we serve the God of certainty more than we serve the God of faith. Right. That we will not act on faith. We will not act on what God says because we want to make sure that everything is sure and that everything is certain. But sometimes God will ask you to do something that will defy everything logically in your mind. Sometimes Jesus will give you an instruction of something that he died, desires for you to do that will not make sense at all and it's not up for debate he just wants you to do it your miracle is predicated on your obedience thank you Holy Ghost could it be that your miracle has been delayed because of your lack of obedience could it be that the turnaround that you've turned around five times for and now you're dizzy has been delayed because you won't do what God said to do Let that sink in for a moment. I wish there were people in the sanctuary with me this morning. Brother Cornelius will help me preach right about there. Could it be that you have not experienced a supernatural move of God in your life because you have been slow to move with your feet and acting on what he has told you to do? Right. And you're waiting for him to change his mind and see if he's going to come back with different instructions. No, he's not. <laughs> he's not. He's not. He's, I know you want him. I know you want him to edit the instructions, but he wants you to do exactly what he said to do, when he said to do it, how he wants you to do it. Martha, I need, I need you to move the stone away. I know what I'm asking you is going to be rough. I know what I'm asking you because literally here's what he's asking. I want you to go to the grave. I want you to go to the cemetery. I want you to call the grave diggers to come and to dig up the grave, bring the coffin up, and open it again. I want you to face your dead situation all over again. And let's be honest, y'all, that's hard. Man, that's how Jesus used. I, I just stopped crying yesterday, and you want me to start crying? Oh, God, I just got myself together. I, I feel like I'm now on this journey to becoming whole. Now you want me to go back and experience the roller coaster of emotions all over again? Your miracle is predicated on your obedience. Let me ask you a question. What's your stone? 
What's your stone? What is it? Everybody got one. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What are your stones? Yeah. Well, not, not just stone. What are your stones? What, what are your stones? Pastor Swims, what do you mean by stones? The stone represents lost hope and expectations. The stone represents that it's over. It's dead. The stone represents the certainty that this thing is dead and over and buried, that God has forgotten about me. He ain't thinking about me no more. He ain't fooling with me no more. He didn't come through for me. Jesus says, I need you to move the stone. I need the stone to be moved. I know it's going to hurt. I know it's going to be uncomfortable. I know it's not going to feel good. I know it's going to lead you on an emotional roller coaster. But you will not experience a supernatural move until you move the stone. You will not see the display of my power until you move the stone. You won't see me and my grandeur until you move the stone. You will not see me do what only I can do if you do not move the stone. What is your stone, saints? What is it that if you would just move it and just and give a little inch away that Jesus can be able to shed some light on it and resurrect your hope? What's your stone? What's your stone? What's your stone that you won't let nobody touch? As, as, as soon as the conversation shifts to a particular thing, you shut down. You could talk about everything else, but don't touch that. You can challenge everything else. Let my stone alone. And because of our resistance to moving the stone, we never experience the supernatural move of God. Because we're failing to obey him in the simple things. He didn't ask how many stones she had. He didn't ask how heavy it was. He just said, hey, take the stone away. I like this latter part of the story because the Bible says, look back at verse 36. Look back at verse 38. Jesus was there with them, getting ready to go to the gravesite. There were a group of people, if you go back to the early verse of the scripture, of the story, there were a group of people there before Jesus came on the scene that were consoling them during that time of need. There's a group of people here now that's still there with her and consoling them and just trying to be of a support to them. But look at what some of them say. Look, look what they say. Look at verse 36. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much you loved them? That's one group. Oh, man, he really, Jesus, he done finally came through. It's too late, but he done showed up. He done showed up. He's here. He really loved them. He, everybody knew this was his boy. And he showed it because he done came and shared his support and his love and gave his condolences to the family. He didn't even sign the book. He loved them. But then you had a second group that was there. Look at what they said. The people were standing there nearby said, see how much he loved them in verse 37. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Could he have kept Lazarus from dying? Mm -hmm. In other words, if he was able to heal a blind man, well. certainly, surely, it would be easy for him to have kept Lazarus alive. Mm 
But look at verse 38. Bible says Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb with the with, uh, as he arrived at the tomb was gay a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Now notice here, notice here when we go back up to verse thirty five, the Bible says that Jesus wept. Now, 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 him weeping in verse thirty four, verse thirty five is different than the anger that he's having here in verse thirty eight. He's not angry now because of the loss of Lazarus. He's angry now because there are people surrounding him that don't believe he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask think of which Jesus is irritated because people are saying hey he healed the blind person but I guess this was not I guess this was too much for him to have been able to keep Lazarus but I love this part right here because as Jesus makes his way to the grave notice here who goes with him nobody but Martha Okay, I'm going to say it again. This is why I wish somebody was here in the building with me this morning. Notice that as Jesus transitions from being amongst the people to going to the gravesite, everybody did not go. Never mind, that's wrong. Everybody was not invited because everybody could not go and believe that Jesus was going to raise him from the dead. You got to be careful now, saints of God. You got to be careful. You got to be careful who you are hanging around because you got two types of people. You got some that are there and say, oh my God, Jesus is really going to come through. Jesus really loves them. But you have some that are doubters. And if you are not careful, those doubters will assassinate your faith and believe in him to do the impossible in your life. Everybody could not go with him to the grave. Everybody did not have the same faith and the same expectation to believe that Lazarus was going to rise again. So Jesus only took the necessary individuals yes. that would believe him because again, he asked her, he asked her, he said, Martha, do you believe? Do you believe? And she said, absolutely, Jesus, I believe that my brother's going to rise again on that last day with the rest of the saints. He said, no, 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 you're missing him, Martha. You're talking about the future. I'm talking about right now. I am the resurrection. Yes. And I am the life. Martha gets there to the grave. Jesus asked for the stone to be moved. She protested. She said, Lord, I'm certain. I know for a fact that if I roll that stone away, he's going to stink. They didn't have the luxury of what our embalmers now have. No, 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 no. The quicker, as soon as you die, they were trying to get you in the grave because if they waited too long, the body was going to decompose and it wasn't going to be a pretty sight at all. She said, I'm certain, Jesus. If we open that stone and move that stone away, it's going to stink. Here it is. The opposite of faith isn't fear. I know we've been, so, we've been told that. We, 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 we've acknowledged that. We've gone about our way with that and adopted as a rule for life. The opposite of faith isn't fear. The opposite of faith is certainty. All right. Certainty is what was keeping her from moving the stone. Certainty is who she was following now. Certainty is what she had placed her faith in now because if I move the stone, I'm sure for a fact, big facts, that it's going to smell. 
I said, my brother is still going to be dead. But here's the question I got to ask you this morning. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Pastor, what do you mean, where's your faith? Verse 4, verse 4, verse 4. Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Where is your faith? Uh-huh. I want you to believe that even though things have gotten worse and things have gotten bad, I need you to move the stone away so that your faith can be resurrected well. to believe that he still has all power. Despite what others have said, despite the reality of how it looks, I need you to believe me that I am the God of the impossible and that I'm able to resurrect any situation. It doesn't make sense, Pastor, I know. I don't get it, Pastor. I know. But it's not all on you. He's simply asking for us to exercise our faith and to do exactly what he tells us to do when he tells us to do it, how he tells us to do it. He's simply needing you and I to participate with our faith and our obedience so that we can see a supernatural move of God hit our lives. If you're always waiting for God to make sense to you, you'll never make a move. If you're waiting for everything to make sense, you will, you, you will, you will miss out on the power of God. I know moving the stone may cause some issues. I know moving the, st- move, moving the stone will, ca- will cause you to, to bring back some memories that you thought that were dead and buried. Mm-hmm. That's the negative side. But the positive side, if I move the stone, God, I can hope again. If I, if yeah. I, if I move the stone, I, 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 can, I can believe that things can be able to change around for me. If I move the stone, it gives Jesus an opportunity to move on my behalf. I want to pray with you this morning. I want to pray with you this morning. I want to pray with you this morning. I want to pray that your feet get the moving. I, I, I want to pray that your that your, your faith and your belief will add up with your actions. To do what he says, yes. when he says, how he says. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we come right now. God, I pray for everyone that is watching right now. I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that there would be a resurrection of hope, God. I pray that there would be a resurrection of obedience. I pray that whatever their stone is, whatever their stones are, that you will strengthen and empower them to move them. 
And then once they move it, God, that they can allow you to do and to exercise your power to its fullest potential. I know what hurts. I know that it may not feel good. It may not look good. But God, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. That you will cause them to hope and to believe again. We're not to hang our life off of certainty. We are to hang our life off of hope. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to do just that. To hang our life off of our faith in you and our trust in you. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. And we give you the honor. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And we said amen.